What will it mean if Offaly can win a third McCarthy Cup on Sunday? It mean a hell of a lot of drinking, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> His father, Brendan, was a champion Gaelic football, part of the All-Ireland Championship team in 1982. And oh, a magnificent spot! Billy Julie! But certainly, as a naughty man, I don't think anybody gives out about all players. My name is Kevin Egan and welcome to episode 22 of We Are Offley. What a weekend it's just been. On the field the results didn't go well and off the field the action keeps going on over the last few hours. As it looks like manager, football manager Stephen Wallace is under a huge amount of pressure following Offley's exit from the Leinster Senior Football Championship. In the next few minutes I'll start playing my conversation with Brian Gavin. Brian was on the radio already this morning speaking about how he feels that Stephen Wallace's position is untenable. He goes into why he feels that's the case and how he believes that the Offaly County Board should call on a few local stalwarts just to keep the ship afloat over the next three weeks until we hit the first round of the qualifiers. We also speak in depth, as you can imagine, about the Hurlers first game in this year's Leinster Championship, a 12-point defeat to Galway at Bordenamone O'Connor Park on Saturday evening. A lot of people have praised Offaly for this particular performance. Myself and Brian are on a slightly different page here. I have to say I felt that Galway opened the door for us a little bit. They gave us a chance with a sloppy performance and we didn't take advantage. I don't think the win was going to be secured no matter what Offaly did here, but at the same time it would have been nice to put Galway under a lot more pressure. But speaking of pressure, it's all about our football manager at the moment and whether he'll see out the week. But here is my conversation with Brian Gavin as we talk about everything that happened on a very busy and hugely disappointing weekend for Offaly senior footballers and senior hurlers. Brian, I was going to say great to talk to you again, but I think it's pretty much a post-mortem mood all across the county after what happened. I mean, look, the hurlers played the All-Ireland Champions and we'll get to that, but I think it's fair to say, you know, for all the wrong reasons, the footballers stole the headlines yesterday. Yes, it is with Ian Kevin, and you know, if there was, you know, there was darkness into light uh, Saturday night. It was a walk for charity, which is a great charity. But you know, more park in Portlaoise yesterday was just darkness into dark for not alone the Offaly players, but the supporters and you know anyone that had an interest in Offaly football. It was definitely the darkest day that I've ever been around as as an Offaly supporter. Number one, and two, as a commentator for for the local radio on Midlands One or Three, trying to describe, you know, what we were seeing as well and. I suppose there's a few points that we, we kick off with, like, and obviously the Johnny Maloney going back a couple of months, um, you know, that wasn't a good situation. I don't think it was handled brilliantly either. And, you know, we just can't afford, after losing 10 or 11 players from last year, to lose a player of Johnny Maloney's stature. And, you know, as we've seen some of the tweets that appeared last night, you know, a lot of people echoed what I'm saying at the moment. And it seemed to be a toxic mood and atmosphere in the Offaly camp. Um, and a couple of points on it is, I suppose, like in fairness, you know, no disrespect to Rory McNamee, he, he went travelling. I think he was in America or Australia, wherever he was. He was in Australia. But he, he's back. Yeah, he's back a couple of uh, couple of weeks, only three weeks, and and he starts. So there's the, you know, a, a, a really downer for some of the lads that's there been the whole year, you know, from November on, and that was one one incident as well, and. 
to take Nigel Dunoff after 25 or 6 minutes. Now, Nigel wasn't going great, but he was starting to come into the game like he does in most games. And he gave two lovely passes to Bernard Allen to get two scores. And when he was walking off, I, I kept looking, um, you know, I'm trying to describe to the people in the commentary, you know, was this man injured? He definitely didn't look injured, and I said it to Brian Darby in the core commentary. He didn't look injured, and we, we just sent straight away there was a problem. And after that, yeah, lucky enough for Offaly, Anton Sullivan got a goal to give us a bit of leeway. But seemingly what happened at halftime in the dressing room was just unbelievable. It all kicked off, and Nigel Dunn, in no doubt, was on his way out to the car to go home, and maybe one couldn't blame him. Uh, he was persuaded back to stay. He came back then, and for some reason, then they introduced him into the second half, and unfortunately, awfully rewarded Benzi, and Nigel missed it. But could you blame Nigel Dunn for missing it? But, you know, what confidence, what frame of mind was that chap in when he came back onto that pitch after what happened? And then Sean Pender was taken off, and he let Brian Egan know, who was the Kerry uh, selector with the buys, mm. with Billy Sheehan and Stephen Wallace. And Sean Pender, in no uncertain terms, let him know what he thought of him be taken off. So, look, that's only a little tip of the iceberg, but I think after the game and everything, it's just deflection, but there's something something seriously wrong in uh, the dressing room in Offaly, and I think uh, management are under serious pressure, and I think their positions now have become untenable on the ground of what we're here. Plus, also, we had the manager who's serving an eight-week suspension for an incident in Kerry, wearing a hoodie and a cap in the stands, and it just looked... Uh, Terrible to quite say the least, you know. Yeah, I have to say, like, I mean, look, on the field, we've lost a huge amount of leaders, which, you know, a lot of that is unavoidable. You can't do anything about guys retiring, you can't do anything about injuries, and so on. You know, I, I, I've said before in off the independent columns, and I'll say it again, I think that there has to be some means of looking into why so many players are choosing not to play football for Offaly, guys who are still playing club football, who are still at the peak of their powers. And they'll never say that, whether we need to get the GPA involved or something like that, so that players can trust that they can be honest and still not have it come back to them. But to get an honest answer as to whether it's John Maloney, whether it's Rory Allen, admittedly he was emigrating, whether it's Graham Gilfoyle, whether it's Joe Maher, whether it's whoever it is, you know, we've there's been far too many names on this list and we need to go through and see what is so unappealing about Offaly football that these guys are stepping away. But you then compound that with the fact that there's now no leadership on the sideline as well, you know, because your manager is not there. And then you compound that even further by taking off Nigel and Sean, who, you know, neither of the two of them are playing as well as they can. But as you say, I mean, Nigel, for me, what he's done over the last 18 months, kind of growing into the leader of the attack, he has earned the credit to kind of being given the leeway to play himself into a game. Similarly, like, Sean wasn't having a great game, but he wasn't being dominated by his man either. Um, You know, so you take off senior guys like that, while at the same time leaving on fellas that, with all due respect to them, weren't having an impact on the match either, but aren't of that leadership calibre. It just... You know, it left them vulnerable to what happened in the closing stages. And to be fair, I was impressed with the way Anton Sullivan kept trying to take the fight to them. But he was kind of, he was almost on his own yeah. late on. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I'm, I'm looking at the fact that, as you say, some of the tweets, some of the players seem to be liking the tweets that are undermining the manager a little bit. 
I mean, that, that, that has to be resolved one way or another. I mean, you're a member of the county board as you're in your capacity as Clara Delegate, Clara Chairman. I mean, you know, I presume there has to be pressure put on the top table to act here at this stage. Yes, and I suppose Tommy after the game, Tommy Vaughan would have been confronted by a couple of the parents from some of the players on the panel. And I suppose it leads me to the next couple of points, like even the team being announced. Like I am, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain here that this, the players didn't know until two o'clock yesterday what the team was. And um, even though it was given in for a program and it was on our social media, like I know for certain the awful senior hurlers knew the starting team for for the Galway game. It was either Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whatever night the trend. But for players not to know the team at two o'clock, like imagine the deflation James Lawler felt yesterday, maybe around three o'clock when he was told he wasn't starting at half three after being named on the social you know it's things like that like you just wonder what is going on and as you said that puts pressure now on the county board and to be honest with you my opinion here is and it's very very clear and this is not a personal fantastic in Stephen Wallace for management but their positions now are untenable because if the county board don't get rid of the management I'm fairly certain there won't be too many players going to the next training session called if Stephen Wallace and his management calls it and that's just me saying it as it is. That's what I believe and that's what a lot a lot of people out there in Oxford believe at the moment. And look, it's unfortunate for Stephen Wallace. Like, it could have worked out that he was a great manager and the lads who brought away him were fantastic. Like, we took a chance with Tommy Lyons and it worked out fantastic. So, it's all trial and error but I think the red flag signs were out a long time ago, a few months ago, especially when the Tony Maloney incident wasn't dealt with. And, you know, his own incident down in Kerry. The red flags were there that this wasn't going to work out, and it's definitely not going to work out, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I think at this stage, it's, it, I think there essentially are two ways this can play out from here. Either action is taken in the next two or three days, or else the year will just peter out, and regardless of who awfully get drawn against in the qualifiers, the fixture will be fulfilled, but that'll be about the height of it. Um, either way, it's it's a very disappointing outcome. The only thing I'm thinking there is that if if Stephen Wallace is asked to step down, which you know is 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 entirely realistic outcome, you then have to ask somebody else to step into the breach, you know, yeah. either on a short term basis or you're nearly kind of giving them a head start into into kind of taking on the job next year. I mean, it's it's not an ideal time to be kind of going around saying, you know, that, that there aren't too many good managers not currently engaged with teams in the middle of May. So I presume that, that could factor yeah. into the thinking as well. It could. And, and look, I suppose what will happen, and look, we could be wrong here, and, and Stephen Wallace might be left on for the qualifier, but as I said earlier, I don't know many players who will be left with him. But I just think there is a couple of good lads out there that really, really care about off football. And when you see, like I was beside Brian Darby yesterday, and you could see the passion he had for Offley and you could see the frustration while he was looking at what was going on and you know even talking before the game we just knew the mood in the camp wasn't good so you know the tweet then from Alan McNamee hit the nail on the head as well so look these are genuine footballers who have given their life for Offley football from for 10 or 12 years at the highest level both for their club and their county and they don't like see what's going on and what I'm really trying to say is here I think if there's a decision made in the next couple of days, I think deep down there will be enough of people in Offaly to take the lads and train them and just throw out the likes of Colin Quinn, the likes of Peter Brady, lads like that that have, they do care about it. I think they will see Offaly stuck for the next two or three months and they'd, re, they'd respect the players that's in there at the moment and the players would certainly train for them. Whether there'd be long-term solutions, that's another day's work, but I think from the short term, 
that we need to get two or three awfully people in there and just look, explain to them, will you give these lads a help out over the next couple of months to get them through the qualifiers and try and go as far as we can because at the moment uh, it just can't continue, in my opinion, at the still area. So I, I would, I'm only throwing out Colin Quinn up here really as examples mm-hmm. of the type of person that we do need in the next couple of months just to steady the ship, bring the lads along. They know awfully football, they know the players. And, you know, that, that's only my opinion, but I think that's the way we need to head. Mm, yeah, no, I, I, I'd say that's an entirely realistic, it's an entirely realistic outcome. I, I mean, to me, the, the only, and, and I don't even want to say danger, that's the wrong phrase. I mean, either of those guys, if they were interested in taking the job on a full-time basis, would, you know, yeah. would be guys you'd, you'd be happy to consider and sit down and talk to them. They'd be, they'd be front runners if that vacancy arose. It's just, does it like that, does it taint your hand when you're going out looking for a permanent one? But but similarly, I don't think those fellas, as you say, they've been devoted to Offaly football all their lives. There's no reason why they certainly wouldn't leave the county wanting now. Yeah. And I think that something would have to, because, you know, fellas will have no appetite to go back in. You know, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that were disheartening. As you say, Rory McNamee being there, there's, there's 101 baffling decisions. Like I'm looking at Owen Carroll named in the 26. Now, for me, if Owen Carroll was fit enough to play any part in that game yesterday, it was crying out for him. Um, yes. If he's not fit enough to play any part in that game, you know, why is he on the 26? Why is somebody else not there? You know, who yeah. really could have been called on. You know, it, it, it just stuff like that makes no sense to me. Yeah, and he did feature in the last week, in a, especially in the training game for, for 20 or 25 minutes. And he even said on the podcast here last week with yourself that I was expecting Owen Carroll to feature for 20 or 25 minutes. Now, maybe something cropped up in the last week of training, but it was strange then just before the game, Paul McCumber got strapped, you know, on the pitch. And also, I think Sean Pender looked to be in a bit about getting uh, attention on the pitch as well. So, look, there was negative injuries in the background, but in saying that, Sean Pender was very, very disappointed and not one bit happy he was taken off. So, he, whether the management thought he was an injury or whatever, but Sean Pender certainly didn't think so anyway. But it just goes back to, to a lot of, lot of issues. And one, we couldn't even get the selector in the year to go with Stephen Wallace. So, that was a huge worry, you know, and Paul Mullen, who was on the selection committee, the picking manager, eventually had to go as selector nearly to fill the spot. So we were sort of crying out and in big trouble from the early in the day. It wasn't as if it was just, you know, the night before the victory game or anything like that. And as I said last week on the podcast, we were we were steeped that Westmead had nothing to play for in the last game of the National Football League or else we would have been staring Division 4 in the face. And, you know, Wicklow ended up bottom of Division 4. So on Ravens in the league, Wicklow were the poorest team in in the in the 32 counties that participated in the National Football League. And yesterday, you know, and we said it again, and not repeating ourselves on the podcast, if Wicklow defend, and, and which they did, 12 or 13 behind the ball early, off you are not good at breaking that down, and yesterday didn't break it down. But I think, unfortunately, there's not too many talking about the game itself. They're talking about nearly the off-the-field uh, stories at the moment. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Look, we'll we'll turn to. I, I won't call it. I won't call it a happier story, but a slightly more encouraging story. I suppose was the hurlers on Saturday evening. Now, having said that, maybe I'm going against the grain a little here. My take was that Galway weren't as tuned in for that. They made more mistakes than you would expect from the All Ireland champions, and Offaly kind of missed a chance. I won't say to win the game, but to put a bit of pressure on them. I mean, you look at nine wides in the first half. You know, we we could have been in a situation where, shall we say, we could have asked more tough, asked tougher questions of Galway. Am I being harsh at that? 
No, no, I was actually very, very disappointed to leave O'Connor Park, to be honest with you, because I'm after looking at these lads the last few months, and Kevin Martin will know, and I know, and a lot of people sort of this training or around the setup, obviously, actually, to keep play their capability. Obviously, they're a lot better than what they showed on Saturday night. That doesn't mean they were going to beat Galway, don't get me wrong. Mm. But Alfie definitely could have hurt a lot better. As you said, Galway were, I won't say vulnerable, they were nearly always going to win the match, but they weren't sharp, they weren't crisp. Now, in saying that, they missed two or three more goal chances, and we'll talk about Owen Cahill in a few minutes, and uh, mm. the, the transition he's after making, you know. But I have to say, I was disappointed enough. I thought we definitely could have. I suppose one turning point in the game was when we got back there, five points in the second half. So Bergen fielded a great ball, laid it off to Sean, Sean, or Shane Dooley, and he was blocked twice. And, if, you know, if that had to go over, there was mm. four in it. And the crowd, the obviously crowd that was there were getting into it again. But there's no comparison, and I, we said it last week, there's no comparison to where obviously hurlers are compared to the footballers, even as in support, morale, team bonding, spirit, everything. Like, uh, lads really gave it their all the other night for Aussie. And, you know, the commitment... Was second to none. Yes, there was mistakes, and we overplayed the ball coming out of the back line, too much a short pass in the times. But you could see what they were trying to do, and they were trying to pick up a man in a better position rather than just lurking it down to the forward line to hold him. But that's a huge learning curve for some of them as players. Like to be in with a, you know, five down at half time and very unfortunate goal just before the break. If there were just one or two down going in at half time, you know, would have given them a great test. But you can definitely not fault the effort that the offside hurlers are putting in at the moment. It's just their decision-making and their, I'd say the non-experience of some of the players just cost off you on the day, but a, a positive a positive performance, no doubt, but I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I was the same in the sense that, like, they've put in much better performances this year. I mean, a lot of our encouragement came from the National League quarter-final against Kilkenny, and to me, that, that day, obviously, we're at a much higher pitch in terms of hitting the rooks and the scrums for breaking ball a good bit harder in terms of dispossessing guys. Like I said, Galway dropped an awful lot of passes and, you know, spilled ball that you wouldn't expect Galway to do later in the year. They opened the door for us to get turnovers. We got some of them. I thought some of the backs were very, very strong. Ben Keneally was excellent again. Tom Spain had a superb game. Pat Cameron covered well for a guy who was, you know, who was touch and go to be fit enough to start the match. He had a very good outing, I thought, as well. I was a little surprised that up front, with the exception of Shane Dooley, there was none of the forwards that you could say were on fire. And yet, we were a long time waiting for it to be changed up. And sometimes you could say with awfully teams in the past, football and hurling, that's because a manager will look on the bench and he'll say, oh, geez, there's a reason this guy is on the bench. He's just not at the same standard as the starter. Even in the 1990s, that was the case. That wasn't the situation here. Like He was looking at the bench at... Paddy Murphy and Sean Ryan and like say David O'Toole had a very good National League campaign um, there's loads of Killian Kiley obviously I sh- should have been one of the first names off the tongue there Tommy Garrity hurled well in the league as well I mean th- there was guys that you could say okay these guys aren't far off our starting standard I was just a little surprised some of those weren't called into action earlier yeah yeah, it was it was nearly 20 minutes like Killian Kiley was warming up maybe for 15 or 20 minutes and I, I thought he might have been introduced earlier as you said, our forward line didn't really get going, as in their sharpness or their vision or laying off the ball. The only thing the forward line did do, in fairness to them, is they worked very hard and they did put Gawla under a good bit of pressure when Gawla were trying to come out of the back. Then, in saying a couple of the subs, when they come on, then 
you know, Sean Ryan in particular, Thomas Garrity, you know, lads that we, we thought maybe should have been brought on earlier, fumbled a couple of balls. So they need to hop to the face. And maybe, as you said, if they were in the in the game, it would have crowned them even for a couple of games coming forward because we still will need to use the bench again the last game is out. I suppose the best, the, the most uh, promising prospect from the subs point of view was Paddy Murphy when he came on. He actually looked sharp for a man who was injured mm. the majority of the year, and he won at least two or three frees for Offley. And, you know, he put pressure on probably on Kevin Martin to say, look, well, maybe I'm not that far off the starting lineup. Whereas going into the game, you think Keelan Kiley, Thomas Garrity, as you said, Sean Ryan, even James Gorman, you know, lads like that would would have something to offer. So I think Paddy Murphy has just gone up the ladder a little bit after his performance in Saturday evening. But, yeah, I was surprised Kevin didn't make changes a little bit earlier because. Galway had gone eight or nine up at one stage, and we just looked to be not sharp enough in the forward line. But in saying that, uh, they worked very hard on the Galway battling coming out, but definitely should have made changes earlier. That's for sure. Mm, yeah. In terms of in terms of looking ahead to Sunday, now I mean, there's, no, there's obviously nothing easy about a trip to Nolan Park in any circumstances. Does it suit awfully or not that Kilkenny got out of jail against Dublin? Well, it'll definitely suit Offaly for the simple reason. If Dublin won that game, um, you know, with everyone thinking the last couple of games Offaly have some sort of chance. If Dublin won yesterday, you know, that had put us under huge pressure. Um, and it definitely will be a backlash from Kilkenny. You know, Kilkenny were fierce relieved to go over the line yesterday and probably very, very lucky so. They were, um, in, in saying that, going to Northern Park next Sunday, what were we expecting? I'm expecting Offaly to improve a little bit. And the unfortunate part is Kilkenny will improve as well because... Championship is championship. The ground has got a lot firmer. The ball is moving faster, as we said last week as well. And, you know, we learn a lot from the Galway game because they're all Ireland champions, naturally enough. I definitely feel, even though Kilkenny won the league, that they're nowhere near the team they were that won All-Ireland. Um, they're still relying on Walter Welch, TJ Reid, Colin Fenley when he came on yesterday. So they're still relying on their big names, and I just don't think they have the team they used to have. In saying that, they're going to have probably too much firepower for us in their home crowd next week. You can see the passion in some of the Kilkenny supporters yesterday in Parnell Park. There is a good core heart of supporters still supporting Kilkenny and following them everywhere because just that's their, their love Kilkenny hurling and the love hurling in general. So it'll be a very tough game for Offaly next week, but I can still see Offaly putting up maybe 215, 116, 117 next week. It, it probably won't be good enough, but again, it's going to be a huge learning curve for some of these players and we spoke about Ben Keneally there, but Owen Cahill's performance last Saturday was as good as you'll see, even though mm. it was five goals. But he was just tremendous. And to save a penalty and cut the fire and get a goal, you know, a six-point turnaround gave everyone a huge gift to their night. But uh, Nolan Park is not a simple place to go, that's for certain. No, no. Ah, look, Cahill has been, has been superb. I mean, that... You know, it's not that it's not that um, it's not that Connor uh, Connor Slevin did anything hugely wrong. You know, during in his time, I mean, I know the two guys were jostling to for position in James Dempsey's absence this year, but yeah, that Cahill has that the, the reflexes to pull off that superb save, which at the end of the day, it, it's the difference. You know, that goal could be crucially could be crucial in another game. I do think we're going to be under pressure, as you say. I would expect Offaly to come in the one sixteen one seventeen mark. This Sunday afternoon, unfortunately, in modern hurling, I'm looking at it. You don't you don't win too many games with any less than no. 23 or 24 scores. Having said that, I mean, you know, if if they can come out with a few positives, then you go into a situation where it. You know, we've all said that the Dublin game is the be all and end all. After Dublin hurling that well, and Dublin now have to go down to Wexford Park next week, 
we could be in a situation where instead it's the Wexford game in O'Connor Park could be the decisive one. Yes, it could be, but like as we, I know I'm touching on, on, on Friday's podcast, but we said Dublin were going well in challenges, and it was no surprise to me yesterday mm. with the big players Dublin had back, like Conlini at centre forward actually hurled very well. Liam Rush, who, you know, gave everything for Dublin yesterday. Now, he was very lucky in a couple of cases, like he definitely overcarried a couple of times, and he was charging a few times. So, Sean Gardner, if he is on him when the time comes, will have to be very careful of that and wary of that. But, you know, we knew Dublin had were strength down the middle. You know, the set-up pace with a sweeper, they were in Parnell Park, they were going to hard to break down. In saying that, I think take Dublin out of Parnell Park. I expect Wexford to win that game next week. Um, I just, Dublin on the road. Take Dublin, as I said, out of Parnell Park, they're different, you know. They're, but still, in saying that, they're decent hurlers and uh, they're, they're going to maybe get two points somewhere down the line. Where to be, we're not just sure yet. But... Uh, I can't see them beating Wexford and Wexford Park, that's for certain, because the home crowd now that Wexford will have, and, you know, they always hold well in Wexford Park, but um, I, I just, I just on the off, going back to the office just for a second, I, I, I think, um, you know, it was a chance Kevin took with the half-back line. It didn't work out for Brendan Murphy, but Brendan Murphy is a fine hurler, I know that for certain, and I wouldn't just be so quick to dismiss him yet. Unfortunately for David O'Toole, in recent challenge games, he hasn't gone well, and maybe that's why he didn't get a run tonight. But uh, that's where we were punished tonight, was in the half-back line, and we paid the price for it, you know. And that left extra pressure then on the full-back line when the half-back line wasn't going well, you know. So, you know, a lot to play for in the coming weeks, but um, it's a learning curve for Offaly, and just let's hope we get two points somewhere and stay in the, the Lancashire Championship for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Just just on a final note, I noticed that um, kind of, you know, the, uh, we within Offaly we've been remarking on the unfairness of the system for a good while. Where, you know, for Offaly to survive effectively, we have to at the very least be better than Dublin in Parnell Park. You know, for a Munster County to survive, all they have to do is be better than Kerry in a playoff. You know, it's it's a completely unfair system. Is yeah. there any is there any possibility that could be changed or is is that likely at this stage? Because I noticed, say, Brian Cody came out and kind of highlighted the, the the unfairness of it at the weekend as well. Yeah, and there's two ways of looking at this. Like whether we we allow another two or three teams into the next chat. Like it would be hard, unfortunate for Offaly to go down, and the team we say if Antrim came up, mm-hmm. you know, from the north, and we're facilitating Antrim and Galway in Lancashire. Like in Brian Cody's right, I I think. Offaly are improving and for Offaly to improve and the next generations of coming like the lads that maybe even went to college with Tullamore or the lads that are Hull Minor at the moment for them to come through in the next two or three years Offaly have to be kept at this level if all possible or Dublin whoever it is and I think Brian Cody was probably even thinking yesterday if he was bet yesterday that well people was only saying well Brian Cody is only saying that now because they were defeated and it could be them that might be in trouble but I think he's right in what he's saying now the opposite of that then is likes of Westmead who are going well. If they won, surely they deserve a chance in the Leinster Championship. And if if you were to make Leinster in, into a six or an eight team event and have two small groups of two threes or two fours, I don't know, maybe that could be a solution. But it's a very unfortunate one if Austin Wexford or Dublin go down and the likes of Antrim take the place. That would be that would be very unfair in my opinion. I, I wouldn't mind Westmead coming up or, Unfortunately, I was going to say a leash, but leash looked to be in good bother at the moment, so I don't think it'll be leash. Uh, maybe Carlo, Westmead, any of them you wouldn't mind, but for Anson to come up would be a bit unfair, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I, look, I, I, I'm, I'm long on the record of saying I have a bit of an issue with the Leinster Championship being used as a, a home for waifs and strays for all across the country. 
uh, you know, while, while Munster is considered sacrosanct. But look, as I said, that, that that's not going to be changed here and now. For now, I think the the, the story in Offaly is uh, will our football manager survive over the next three or four days, and that will that will be revealed. So we'll uh, and all, all we can say in the meantime is sure uh, we'll let the chips fall where they may on that one, and hopefully the hurlers can uh, find an improved performance and put Kilkenny under a bit more pressure on Sunday. Brian, as always, thanks a million for your time. It's been great talking to you. No problem, Kevin. Looking forward to the next weekend's hurling action. And that's all she wrote for this week, folks. In future, Monday night is where we're going to look to have our We Are Offly podcasts up. We're going to try and get them up good and early to reflect on the weekend's action that's just gone by. Has to be said, it's been a hugely busy weekend. And I'm still drawing breath after all of it. And it looks like the news is going to keep coming. Who knows if by the time we talk to you this time next week, will Stephen Wallace still be in the position? Will a lot of the footballers still be on board? If the Kerryman stays on, who's to say? As always, get in touch. We are awfully on Twitter. We are awfully on gmail at gmail.com. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Roll on next week, and here's hoping for a, a sensational upset in Nolan Park. All the best.